Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is Harriet Kamek with Down to Earth. It's the show in which we talk about the issues that matter. And today, we matter. It's us who matter. And so I've dedicated this show to, uh, to, those, to talk to those of us who are struggling, going through this with depression and anxiety. Studies show that for most folks who are susceptible to depression and who previously were diagnosed with depression, and most likely have already been on medication for depression, those folks are easier to slip into depression as a result of the virus, the pandemic that has taken over all of our lives. Wherever you are on the planet, I trust that these words today will find you in the best of health, and it is my hope and prayer, an earnest prayer, and my trust in God and my belief that as we end the show today, you will find yourself find yourselves in a better place emotionally, in a better place mentally. So this is the show in which we're going to talk about just what matters. And I, I'm prefacing it by saying that this matters because I came across a story on CNN and, and I couldn't, I, I found myself that I couldn't, uh, there was nothing I could do about it. You know what I mean? There was nothing that I could say or do about it because I couldn't change it. And I couldn't uh, determine uh, what, what it was that I could do. I, I couldn't change uh, anything about what was happening. So I had to, I found that I had to uh, ask myself what's going on. I mean, I read a story and uh, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't figure out what on earth was going on. So I'm going to uh, do something radical. I'm going to uh, give you some resources at the end of the show uh, that's going to help all of us to cope with what we are going through. Uh, we all know the, the uh, uh, numbers for the hotlines and so on. And uh, we want to be able to help everybody to uh, to be able to uh, to say something, right? To help everybody uh, who can, and uh, to be able to help folks to get to where they need to be. Uh, this is quite the thing because I am finding that even for me. Uh, I am finding it's very difficult for me, even as a person, to, to understand and to accept some of the things that have been happening because of COVID. Uh, I'm finding it extremely difficult because I myself am wondering if everything is ever going to be all right. Is, is there anybody else or is it just me? Is there anybody else who is wondering if everything is going to be all right? I don't know about you, but 
I wonder, I find myself for the first time wondering about things that I have never thought about before. Seriously, I have never questioned the security of the United States. Never in my wildest dreams would I find myself going to bed at night wondering if our country is susceptible to other people entering our country, coming into our country, and threatening our democracy. It's the first time I find myself wondering about that. I don't think I'm alone. It's the first time I find myself wondering, had we not closed the borders at a time like this? Did we just close the borders because of a virus, or did we close the borders because they know something else? Because this is kind of unprecedented. We had SARS and H1N1, and they never closed the borders before. So what makes them close the borders today? So I find myself wondering about stuff like that, that I never would have wondered about before, stuff that I've never thought about before. And I say this with all humility and equanimity. I don't think I'm alone. I have been reading folks' posts on Facebook for the first time in many days. I actually find myself dedicating myself to reading my entire timeline, like I read it until it has to refresh. I read my entire Facebook timeline. I read my entire Instagram timeline. And I read my entire Twitter timeline. I click on every thread. And I find that I'm listening to folks as they talk about what happens and how they feel about what is happening around them. And I dare say, I am not alone. It makes me sit up in bed at night. I go to bed and I'm thinking and I find myself waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning and I'm awake and I'm like, what now? Because you don't wake up in the middle of the night unless something is up. You see what I mean? You don't wake up just randomly. You wake up because there's a thought that is unfinished in your mind or you may have fallen asleep and suddenly a thought came to you while you were asleep that startled out of your sleep. And so you wake up wondering, what is it now? And there are so many things that are going on. I mean, just last night, my daughter said, uh, my children and I, we were eating dinner. So my youngest daughter decided she was going to give mommy a break from cooking. So she made fried chicken wings. I was out beside myself. And then we made strawberry daiquiris, you know, virgin strawberry daiquiris, just put it in the blender and with whipped cream. And they were so they were like, this is such a welcome reprieve because we can't go out to eat. <laughs> and so we're making restaurant meals at home, right? So if you go out to eat and you eat lobster or, or whatever you eat when you go out, we're cooking it at home now, aren't we? We're all cooking at home. So we're making our homes like a restaurant and cooking restaurant-style dishes at home because we can't go out to eat, right? Which is not a bad thing. But we recognized that the reason we were going out was because we liked the human connection. We liked the sounds. We liked being out amongst other people. It's a stress reliever. So now, absent of all of that, absent of the fact that we can't go to sporting events, we find out that men have this uh, bottled up because sports is an important part of life for men. So for you ladies who never understood it before, you probably are saying, gee, there's no football or netball to, or what do you call it, basketball to take his time away from me. I know you're wishing he had basketball or football because now you realize that that's how he gets his anger out. That's how he gets his energy out because he doesn't hunt anymore. 
He doesn't go off into the hills or into the fields and go cook dinner, go kill dinner and bring it home. So that male part of him that is embedded in his DNA to, ah, he has to get it out and he got it out through sports. So now there's no sports. Now there are no concerts to go to. There are no live events. So here we are bottled up in our homes, like with nothing to do. Well, that's you and I who have family. We have family who live with us. So we're able to share, to talk, even if it is just to be angry at someone, just, you irritate me. But at least you have someone at the end of the day. What about those people who live alone? Maybe it was by choice or maybe it wasn't choice, but they live alone nonetheless. And for them, this is a problem, especially folks who are susceptible to depression. You find that they're sitting now and they're wondering, maybe I shouldn't have divorced him. Maybe I shouldn't have divorced her. Maybe I should have stayed with my children. Maybe I should have been a better parent, a better mother, a better father, a better daughter, a better son, a better employee. Whatever the myriad of reasons are, maybe people blame themselves, I probably should have gone to church because now I don't even have faith to stand on. I don't have a belief. What do I believe? What, do, what on earth do I believe? Because I live my life so vacuously. I was always running from party to party, always stimulating myself with people. And now there's nobody to stimulate yourself with. And now you're sitting there wondering. And a lot of people find themselves availing themselves of mental health counseling. Do you know that suicides are up? You realize that people are killing themselves. People are out of their minds with worry and fear, coupled with the fact that we don't know what's really going on. We don't know what's going on. Do we? Do we? We don't really know what's going on. We are hearing conflicting messages all the time. Just when you thought everything was going to be all right, then they come back and say, well, the drug we thought was going to be a cure for this disease does not work for everybody. But you touted it. You promised. So now we're worried. Because now we've seen all the images and the numbers don't lie. The numbers add up. They're not making this stuff up. There are people dying in Detroit. Even if I thought they were inflating them, even if by some remote possibility I thought the people on my Facebook page are real, they're not making this up. They're losing relatives. I read one post where somebody lost seven members of their family. One girl, one woman lost her mother and two, her, and two aunts. Buried all at once. Are you hearing me? So people are going through grief. On top of that, you have economic loss. You're fur- furloughed from work. Layoffs are through the roof. I swear to you. If they release the job numbers tomorrow... I think we're all collectively going to run to the cupboard in the kitchen and pour yourselves a stiffy. I kid you not, because the job numbers are unbelievable. So in the midst of all of this, then the governor of Georgia, so you're losing money, then you may not be able to pay rent, may not be able to pay mortgage, may not be able to buy a little food. And the Congress is is struggling about paying the rest of us, our own money that we pay taxes on. They're struggling to give us a stimulus check? How? How how is that possible? Why are you struggling to give me a stimulus check, but you put a $1.7 million one in there for people who earn over a million dollars a year? But you're struggling to give me and you a stimulus check. Then businesses who didn't need the money got a $20 million loan. 
But they didn't need the money because they had hundreds of millions in reserve already. But they still took a free $20 million loan just because. Are you hearing me? It makes you sit back and you're wondering about all of this. Then we are wondering, then they want to reopen the country. And you and I are like, huh, am I hearing you right? So you're telling me right to my face that you don't care about me. You see irresponsible leadership in the personhood of the Las Vegas uh, mayor who says she's offering up her people as a control group to study. Is she out of her mind? She should be removed from office immediately. There should be a recall on her. Like, seriously? Seriously? Like, you seriously are going to offer up people? How dare you, woman? Who do you think you are, person? If she's going to dare say something like that publicly on CNN, I am astounded at the gall of people. Then you have the governor of Georgia who seems to be out of it. Is that a word to say? Like, I understand the man is an Ivy League graduate. So I'm I'm waiting on his erudite good self to emerge. I'm waiting on his education to emerge, to say that this is a person who has studied, and instead he's going to reopen the state of Georgia. But he's going to reopen gyms. You realize that gym memberships, they're still charging us for gym memberships, so I don't know why they need us to come inside. Because they're still charging us. And if you don't, it goes on your credit, right? So they're still charging our cards. Mm-hmm. Check it out. And so there, when you look at it, it seems to be disproportionately going to affect people of color, black and brown people. They're the ones who work service jobs. They're the ones who are most going to be impacted. All of this stuff is wearing on our consciousness. All of it, the loss of our parents. Let's not even talk about that. But this is an open forum. We're going to talk about it all. The loss, watching the bodies of our parents being sifted and sieved like nothing. Watching our bodies, their bodies, the bodies that we came out of. Watching their bodies being disposed of. Do you really think it's not affecting us when we watch a mass grave in New York? And bodies being lowered into it, knowing that that was once a human being who walked and talked. You think it's not affecting us? And then we look at prisoners who need to be locked up. But at the same time, there is a part of us that says, okay, well, we have them locked up in a cage that they can't come out of. But I don't know that I'm, I'm, I'm happy with them getting a virus that is not. You see what I mean? It conflicts with your humanity then you find out that maybe the way we've been looking at money is wrong. No wonder they call it a working class mentality because apparently the people who make a lot of money have no qualms about taking advantage of people, whether you are two or 92. So now we're sitting back and saying, you mean all this time I could have made more money, but my morality and my values prevented me from doing so. And you who made a lot of money don't have any. Yeah, that's what we're saying. I want you to know that you're not alone. And especially for people for whom this affects the most. People for whom this is especially troubling. People for whom this affects more than anybody else. You know who you are. 
you already have issues with depression. I've read one story of a guy who was diagnosed with depression 20 years ago. And when this came, it was like a whammy. It hit him right in his kneecap. And like everybody else, his cupboard is filled with antidepressants and groceries. And he had to go back and take his antidepressants because he just couldn't cope. It is not, it is, it is okay. It is okay. It is. So let's talk about how do we feel? How do you process these feelings? Because we have to unpack this stuff. I did a series of podcasts last year in which I talked about unpacking it. And maybe at the time it, it, it was before the stand. Maybe I was talking about stuff that hadn't happened yet. But it's important for us to find a safe space to unpack this stuff, to rid ourselves of these negative emotions, because we still don't know what the final outcome is. There are suppositions, there are all kinds of economic models, and it keeps changing. I mean, they have one model this week that says this is what's going to happen, and then they tear it up next week for another whole thing, because the thing is so dynamic, it keeps changing. And because it keeps changing, it is the models are changing. So we really don't know what the final outcome is. We're going to have to go back to something that most of some of us have tried and proven. It's called faith. When everything else around us is shaking, when the very foundations of our existence, and they are shaking, the very foundations of what we believed could never shake, could never change, when that is shaking, we're going to have to go back to our faith. Our faith is tied to what do we believe. And I am encouraging you, if you have nothing else to hold on to right now, start thinking about faith. I know that you're going to say that that's what hurt me in the first place. It probably was the people and the way they presented and shared a message. It was probably their own lifestyle because we were looking at the people who were telling us to believe. And when we looked at their lifestyles, it began to appear as if there is no no correlation between what they say and how they live. So we looked at them as examples instead of looking at the people who wrote the book on faith and look at their examples. I have found the best examples of faith is written in the book. Not me and not anyone else because I will fail you, but that word is not going to fail. And I am saying we have to go back to faith. I wrote a book a few years ago Musings of the Spirit. Can I just tell you about it? It's available on Amazon. You can download it. And you got to understand that when I wrote that book, I am nothing like I was then. You wouldn't recognize me. I had black and blue marks under my eyes. I used to have bruises on my face. They beat me up. They kicked me. They dragged me across. He dragged me across the floor by my hair. I had no one to talk to. My nearest family members were 1,200 miles away in Detroit. I lived in Orlando, Florida. And yet, at that time, I had faith to believe that I could get out of this. And I wrote a book called Musings of the Spirit because I found that when I was in that dark place, There was no other way to get out but to believe that God was going to help me once I got out of it. So one day, my ex-husband had done a terrific job of beating me up 
I stopped believing in myself. You got to understand that was foreign to my nature because I'm naturally optimistic. They used to call me the optimist because I always saw the glass half full. <laughs> it was never empty. It was half full. I used to say, no, well, what did it take to do that? I was just naturally optimistic and full of energy and life. It's kind of isn't strange how he would come along, right? And and I felt so bad about myself because when I was growing up, I was told that I was going to do great things. I was going to be a great person one day. That's what my grandmother told me. And I thought I was on that track. And one day after my ex-husband had beat me up, and I found that I had nothing else. I had a child, and I didn't know how I was going to get out of it. I didn't know what I was going to do. I went into my closet. You know that walk-in closet? And I turned the light off, and I shut the door, and I did not want to come out of that closet. Are you hearing me? I did not want to come out of that closet. I shut the door, turned the light off, and sat in there. It would have been okay if I went in there to cry. Because at least when you cry, you get some relief. The tears are flowing and and you feel some sort of relief because then you're going to dry your tears and say, let me get back on this and get back on this life. No, I didn't cry. I just sat in the closet. My ex-husband had left the house, and apparently he was calling to see if I were home, and probably in his rage to finish killing me off or whatever, he rushed back home and kept calling, and I wouldn't answer. And he opened the door and saw me in the closet. Do you know, as wicked as he was, he pulled me out. He said, I'm going to tell you this. He said, if you do not get out of this closet, you never will. Get out. You have to. The same man who had just beat me up. What am I saying? I'm saying to you that in the midst of this dilemma that we are all in, you are not alone. And I have come. God will always send someone to pull you, even if he has to use the Avenger himself. He's going to send someone to pull you out of it. You are going to have to get up out of that dark place yourself and walk out of it. You know why? Because that's your strength. And once you walk out, you will know that's not a place to ever go back to. Do you know to this day, I don't walk into a dark closet. It doesn't bother me. I see a closet, I flip the light on, I go in, take my clothes on, I dress in my closet. doesn't bother me. Do you see, we all have issues. We have all walked this dark road of life. This might be your trial. And you might be saying, but Harriet, I have had so many trials in there. I've written three books about them. Done the video. Find them on YouTube. (laughs) But I had to pull myself up. Start all over. This is what's going to happen to the rest of us. For some of us, We're going to start over. We probably are going to, for some of us, we're going to start from scratch. As for me, I am so used to starting over, man. It's like maybe I should write a book about starting over. (laughs) 
because I can, I have lived the story. And because I have lived it, I am telling you, you can. It's very easy now. We're all eating our feelings. We're eating a lot of comfort food. Maybe the gyms are going to be full after this, but the good news about it is after we work out, we will have that happy feeling that comes from our hormones. The endorphins releasing will make us feel good. Maybe it wasn't a bad idea. Maybe it was a good idea because the gym industry, they filled the, 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 the airways with messages and, and ads about how we are fat and you have flab here and flab there and flab here and there. And they made us all feel fat. Even when you are a perfect size, even when your weight was perfect, they gave us body images and negative body imaging. So can you imagine somebody right now who was already struggling and you're sitting there saying, but look at myself. I don't like myself. I'm eating my feelings. We all are. We're all baking. Have you been to the grocery store? There is not a thing on the shelf to bake. I could barely find flour yesterday. And flour is not something I buy every day. <laughs> I could barely find flour. I, I literally found one little pack of all-purpose flour, and I held it to my chest like it was something precious, walking up <laughs> to the cashier to catch up. I keep doing that. <laughs> right? I have to struggle to look for some brownie mix because I'm going to bake some brownies. And bake cookies, we're all baking. Some of us are baking from scratch like crazy. We're eating our feelings, and it's okay. I don't want you to feel that, oh, well, I'm going to gain weight here. Baby, there are gyms for that. There is equipment for that. You can go buy a waist trainer, buy a butt lifter. You don't even have to do surgery. Just gradually work it off. It's about the feeling that comes from working it off that will make us all feel good. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We need to take care of us. You've got to understand that while you're going through this, whatever approaches you're using, whatever mechanisms that you are using to feel better, you've got to understand it. We just take it easy. Stop judging yourself. Don't beat up on yourself. Don't live in the world of what ifs. You see, now that our minds are settled and we have more time to think, we're not rushing, and you don't have to go to bed to wake up tomorrow morning. Because when they first started, you know, Zoom calls was at 8 o'clock a.m. sharp. No, they're a little bit more relaxed. Uh, let's talk tomorrow morning at 9.15. Because now everybody's getting relaxed. So now you don't have to pressure to wake up early. So we're thinking. We're lying awake in bed at night. We're lying awake thinking of all kinds of suppositions, all kinds of what-if scenarios. What if I hadn't said that? Would he have stayed? What if I had done that? Would she have stayed with me? None of it is going to change your situation right now. It's not. But you know what can change? It's promise yourself that you are rethinking the dynamics that made your relationships work. You have to just come to a place where you say, at that time, it didn't fit me. And forgive yourself and move on. If you were the problem and you were the one who caused the problem, say, I didn't understand what I was doing, so I did this. Right? How am I staying sharp, sharp during the shutdown? Somebody's asking, how am I staying sharp during the shutdown? I read, and Hulu and Netflix are doing a very good job. 
and I'm writing. Yeah, I'm back to writing. I'm finishing my third book. I'm sorry, my fourth book. That's how I'm staying sharp. And I'm praying. When I go to bed at night, I pray, guys, we got to do that. If you call prayer meditation, set aside a time of day when you pray. They're calling it mindfulness now and putting all kinds of nice words to it. It's the same thing. Set aside a time to pray. You've got to. It helps you. Because you're praying and you're offloading. You see what I mean? You're unpacking. In these prayers, that's what you say. You say, I'm forgiving myself. I've come to this place where I recognize that I'm broken and I'm human. And I have made a lot of mistakes that have cost me dearly. Some of the decisions I made, they hurt me and they hurt others. They hurt my children. They hurt my previous spouses. They hurt my current spouse. They hurt my employees. They hurt my friends. They hurt my family. Just admit it all. Just admit it all. Nobody's hearing you. Nobody is going to judge you. That's just between you and whom you believe in and God. As for me. And you just pray and unpack it. Make it your daily confession every day. And when you sit, till it gets to the point where you are cleansed. And now you can talk to people without getting angry with them. The people who have hurt you the most. Can I just tell you? I have a family member. In, I must have told you the story. Did I tell you all the story about a family member in November 2016? Election day 2016. November 2016. Stole all of my clothes. In the midst of a winter in mid in Midwest, in the Midwest, in Michigan, stole off all of my clothes, all of my clothes, left nothing, nothing except the clothes I had on my back. Took my coats, my scarves, my hats, my gloves, everything, me and my daughter. I don't know if it was a joke. I don't know what it was. It wasn't a joke. They meant to harm me. They knew that without my clothes, I couldn't live. But I lived. Do you know that I've forgiven that person? And I've helped them since. And I have no qualms about it. I find it hilarious now. Because now I can look at them and see their need and not be condescending, be empathetic, and talk to them. That's what prayer does. It helps you. And it helps you to grow. And it helps, right? Uh, Somebody is saying, I have an amazing heart. You know what it is? When you have been broken so much, after a while, you realize that you are strong. And you realize that some of the people who hurt you, that it's not you. Many of us right now going through this, you're blaming yourselves because you're saying, I shouldn't have taken that job. I shouldn't have left that job. I shouldn't have moved from that house. Some of those things might be true. And if it is, just accept it. Yeah. But I didn't know any better at the time. That was the, all the information that I had, and I acted on what I knew. Sometimes you may have taken a job and traveled across the country, and now you find yourself in one part of the country with a job that placed you on furlough, and you are not near support, any kind of support system. You don't have any friends, no family nearby. And you're going to have to suck salt and move back. And you're like, wow. What do you do? You just accept it and move on. Don't stay in it like me. 
when I was found myself in that dark, dark closet, let it go. That ex-husband, by the way, who beat me up and caused me to go into because I had I just couldn't understand how for somebody as optimistic as I was, somebody who had so many goals in life, somebody who had always been an achiever. They used to call me an overachiever. How did I end up marrying someone who would have done that? After the divorce was over, he actually called me and asked me to forgive him. That he felt that the anger that he had, that he displayed towards me, if he did not get my forgiveness, he felt that he had developed an illness that made him sick, that the illness would kill him if I didn't forgive him. I did not want to anybody to go to their grave thinking I didn't forgive them. So I said, no, I forgave you. I'll tell you the honest truth. I have suffered PTSD as a result of the stuff that he did. <laughs> it's not my responsibility to make him feel good. It was important for me to let it go so that I could move on with my life. And if in the process that it made him feel good, that's his trouble. It was my you understand what I'm saying. You are healing yourself. You are not responsible for the outcome of anyone else's feelings. All of us have to come to our own come to Jesus moment and face our Goliath and identify the Goliath that is within. Identify the Jezebel that is in our hearts. Identify the David that is in our hearts and find a way to make those two come together and be one. All of us, this is that time. We're all sitting back now for some of us and we abandoned our children in pursuit of the rat race. We were too busy. We left spouses who we thought did not fit our new paradigm. And now we're sitting back and you can't even connect with those children. They don't want to hear from you. They have grown up, gone on to college. You have moved on. You married someone 20 years younger, 30 years younger, parading them around on Facebook. Look at my new happy wife, happy life, blah, blah, blah. And they're still remembering the hurt and the pain from when you left their mother. And here you are. You need to come to you, have a come to Jesus moment with that because the guilt is killing you. Because you're still wondering about it. You might be presenting a happy face to your new wife and your new life. And you're looking at the new child and that's the problem. You're looking at the youngest child you have now with the second wife and you're like, you just can't ratify that. You can't ratify that feeling. So you know what a lot of people do in that? And that's what you used to do. You inoculated yourself with drinking. You inoculated yourself with womanizing. You inoculated yourself by hanging out all the time instead of facing the demon. This is your moment of freedom. Come and accept it. We all have issues. Right? You all have issues. Yes, I'm on, I'm on Instagram. Yes, I'm on Instagram as myself. Thank you. Right? Do you see what I mean? And so here we are, friends. Here we are. We've come to this moment. Like I told you, this is going to be group therapy, right? It's for all of us. It's for all of us. Some of us had children. We, should, we had children with people we should never have been with. We need to forgive ourselves. We had, we had sex with people we should never have been with. We had sex with people and destroyed their relationships, destroyed their marriages. We had sex with people just for fun, just because we could. 
We had sex with people just because knowing that it was going to damage someone. And we still did it anyway. Uh, YouTube. If the connection is poor, switch over to YouTube. Twitter does this all the time. Go to YouTube. Right? Or Facebook Live. <laughs> right? Thank you, though. But you see what I mean? We all have issues. Let's just be real. Some of us are having friends. Let me just say this. Some of us are having friends right now. And we are with people we shouldn't even be with. And you're looking at the person who is beside you and you're like, how did I end up here? You want to know how you ended up there? A series of wrong choices led you to that. You kind of deserve what you got because you made a series of choices. And then you got to that point where you said, I might as well. No. You, sh- you brought it. Accept it and deal with it. Forgive yourself. Forgive those whom you left and abandoned. You thought it was blood sport or funny. A lot of people now realize that the things they used to do were more damaging to themselves than it was to others. You see all that womanizing that we did? All that cheating that women did? You thought your husband wouldn't know. He wouldn't find out. Your spouse, your partner would not know. Right? And you did it. You snuck out at lunchtime, after work, pretended to be going to the gym, and now the guilt is tripping you over because life has changed. And you realize that this person you're with is the best choice, the best part, the best one. You realize that maybe this isn't the one, you should have been with the other one, but it's too late to go back over there and you're miserable. You need to come to a place and deal with that. Some of you need to pick up the phone and call your children. You abandoned them when they were little. Or your children made choices you didn't like and you let them. Call, pick up the phone and call them. They're still your children. They still have your biology. They still have your DNA. Pick up the phone. Some of you are parents. You have parents who refuse to call you. My mother, up until the day she died, she said she wasn't going to write us a letter explaining I had the faultiest childhood imaginable. My children say I had a horror of a childhood. It's a wonder I emerge unscathed. I give God the glory because there's no way with the childhood I had that I should be normal. But there are some members of my family who's, who refuse. <laughs> God does. <laughs> Somebody's asking who keeps me warm. Uh, God does. Hulu, Netflix, you know, right? There's some members of my family who for reasons of pride, simply won't acknowledge some of the stuff that happened to me. But because it happened to me and affected me, I don't have time to justify or make them feel good or make them feel absolved of the guilt of being present when these things were going on and never corrected my mother. I don't have time for your feelings of guilt. So oftentimes, I stay away from people. That's another thing you all need to do. You see those negative people? who keep, who won't acknowledge that something happened to you. First of all, don't go to anybody to try to validate how you feel, unless you're bipolar. But if it happened to you and it happened, forgive them. For a lot of people, a lot of trauma, life issues, is what contributes to their uh, mental illness. 
and people are over here judging. This is why when I encounter someone who is bipolar, my first question is, what happened to you? Because I know how life can be. I know what it is like to be in a family where you are judged and you're the only person like yourself. And they want to hold you up as like a, like a pinata and take a baton to beat you down. Is that how it feels for some of us? And they won't acknowledge that some of the stuff happened on their watch. While they were the adults and you were the child, bad things happen and they won't, they won't accept it. And they won't go to the people who were responsible and hold them accountable. But they want to make you feel bad about you being you. Time out for that. Look, you're grown. You're independent. Deal with it yourself because it happened to you and keep it moving. If they don't understand you, bye-bye. Stick with those who ride with you. Sometimes the people who are riding with us, they're, they're wolves in sheep's clothing. They look like lions, but they're really rats. If you really take the hair off, you will see that underneath that mask, they're just rats nibbling and just talking and just nibbling. And anyway, they can slip a negative word in to tear you down. They just slip it in to tear you down. Get rid of those people. Walk away from them. If anything, use this time to build yourself and build your greatness. So what if they furlough you off work? So what if they kind of just made it so you can't do anything? So what? Honey, Look at it and say, so what? This is why I am me. I am so glad they made me the way I am. Because had it not been for the Lord who was on my side, I got to ask myself a question. Where would I be? Because for some of these stuff that every now and then I remember, it is enough to deal with. It is more than enough. So I just, like somebody just asked me how you cope. I read, I watch TV when I feel like, I talk to someone if I don't feel like it. I am content all by myself. I've just made up in my mind that I am who I am. I was created this way. Bad things happened. I forgive everybody. I try to keep it out of my mind and just deal with what I have in front of me. This is why we call it group therapy. This is why I call it group therapy. Because you get a chance to hear. Maybe you don't want to put it out there because somebody else might read it. So I'm just going to tell you about all of my stuff. <laughs> yes, I am right now, aren't I? <laughs> I'm a therapist right now. Yeah? So I'll just tell you all about my stuff, knowing that in my story, that's where you find yourself. So I'm saying deal with it and forgive yourself. What about the man who has multiple children? You were with one woman, and then you chose to have children with another woman. And you know you hurt them both, and you hurt the children both, and you have this nagging pain inside of you. Better be careful with that stuff. It will lead to make you sick. Forgive yourself and go ask those women to forgive you and go to the children and love them. Pour your heart out. Even if they don't accept you in the beginning, pour your heart out to them. Right? Do you see what I'm saying? I'll deal with that in a bit, okay? Deal with it. Deal with it. Going forward, deal with it. What about those of you who haven't called your parents? I read a story about a young man uh, who is uh, Arab. I can't remember if he's from Yemen or one of those countries, but he lived in a world where apparently he thought he could pass for white, right? Until he applied to become a White House reporter. And for the first time, they made him feel like he was an Arab and made him feel like he was not a citizen. They made him feel bad about himself. That's what it took. So all this time, 
he never kept in touch with his parents. They call, they thought he was a minority of some sort, whether he was Hispanic or something, but they treated him badly wherever the group he was in. It made him have to take a second look at himself, looking at the man in the mirror. And it made him have to go back, I kid you not, and call his parents who had raised him and apologized. It gave him a freedom to be himself that he had never experienced before. Some of us have guilt attached to the way we were raised. So now we are, you know, we, 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 are, we have made it. And we look back, we never went back to Alabama, into rural Alabama or Arkansas or rural Louisiana or Mississippi where we came from. We never made, we, never, we, we can't go back to that. We can't go back to it because we're embarrassed, because now we have made it and we're so, no, forgive yourself. I'll tell you, I haven't gone back to my home country because some bad things happened to me and I don't intend to repeat it. I have issues with it. I'll just tell you the honest truth. Group therapy. Here it is. I just, people say, why haven't you gone back? I said, I still, I'm still working through some of the stuff that happened to me while I was there. I'm working through it. Let me deal with it. And I deal with it. And then I determine, why should you relive it? If revisiting there is going to rehash those memories, don't go back there. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's, it's your, at the end of the day, you are like, I'm free. It's my choice. Yeah. Because you have to live with you. You realize now that all the folks who have died let me just say this. All the folks who have died, while they were laying there on a respirator, on a ventilator, to restart their lives, you realize that they had time to sit back and think about all the stuff they could have done, would have done, should have done, and didn't done. And then they passed away. What do you think their message to you and I would be? I am pretty sure it was going to be get up and live your life. Because once they got knocked down and they found themselves played out on a hospital bed with a thing helping them to breathe, they realized that life is worth living. All the stuff that we attach labels to, that we say we must and mustn't do, at the end of the day, I'm going to tell you what one of my mentors told me early on. The one thing you must do is breathe. If you don't breathe, you don't live. That's the one thing you must do. It sounds simple. It almost sounds like crazy. Like I have to breathe. Breathing is natural. No. This virus taught us that breathing is the most funda well, fundamental thing to life. Yeah, your brain can go, but if you can't breathe, you're nothing. Because without breathing, without breath, people didn't make it. They pulled the plug off the ventilator, unplugged the ventilator, and pulled up, and people died. The one thing you must do is breathe. The one thing you have to do is breathe. All of the stuff. So we abandoned our parents. We left them in a nursing home, kind of dropped them off at the train station. And we never visited them because we were too busy. We were too busy running for office. We were too busy pursuing a corporate lifestyle because this is the way to be successful. We were too busy. You wanted to have it so bad, you left your wife of 20 years to go pick up the younger model to her. And then you find out that she can't cook. She can't do nothing. She don't even know how, outside of sex in the bedroom, she don't even know how to be a mother or a wife. And you realize how embarrassed and funny you look. And you abandon the one who helped you build. And you're like, wow, 
No, you have this guilt. You better absolve that guilt. Some of you cheated so badly you left your spouses. They moved on to have other lives, but you can't move on because you're stuck in the pain of yesterday. (laughs) Right? Do you see what I'm saying? Take a deep breath. Start right there. Right? Do you see what I mean? Some of us are stuck with the residue on the whole reservoir of stuff. That's why we're in a dark place. Our mind slipped into something. Something traumatic happened. Whether you were, you're going back, especially when you get older and when you stop thinking, you know, you stop. You, now we all have time to think. And you start thinking about how you were sexually molested when you were five years old by a trusted family friend or a trusted family member. Could have been your brother, could have been your sister, could have been your cousin, your auntie, your uncle, someone whom they trusted around you, raped you, and took away your innocence, and you've been angry ever since. And you realize that the lifestyle you're living right now is completely based on that. For some of us, it was traumatic childhood experiences. We grew up with an alcoholic parent or a parent who emotionally and physically abandoned us. And we made choices to live. And now we find ourselves dependent on alcohol and pills to keep it moving. And it's all bottled up in here and we can't breathe. You can't breathe. Stop. And you go in one day and you look in the closet, in in your medicine cabinet, and it's filled with antidepressants that give you all kinds of side effects. They make you shake. Then you drink alcohol. And before you know it, you start turning to weed and it's a downward spiral. Ah, breathe. Sometimes you just need to take a punch. That's why we all went to the gym. We pounded it all out on those machines, y'all. The failures, the lack of promotion, the way our bosses treat us, but we thought we had to do it so we could live. Because you have to maintain this lifestyle. Some of you guys who remarried someone younger and started a new family, you realize now how much it affects you, right? Because now you have to go back. It's like starting over. And you're not starting over from a good place because now you have to go build again with someone and you realize that they don't want to. I kid you not. Let it go. So everybody needs a punching bag. You have a pillow in your house? You have a pillow? Okay. You don't have boxing gloves, right? But you got some gloves around? Take your pillow and go pound it. Do it rhythmically. You're going to put everything that you are worried about, every fear, everything from the past, pound it into that pillow. Get it all out. Group therapy. Don't punch the wall because you're going to hurt your hand. Don't punch anybody. Take the pillow and pound it. You went to graduate school. How about that? I know you have a degree and you still can't get work. But you have those six-figure student loans to pay off. And they won't promote you because you're a man or you're a woman. They won't promote you because of color, ethnicity, race, in systemic, institutionalized racism. They won't promote you. Take the pillow. Go hit that pillow. In the city of Detroit, all of us need therapy. Because we recognize now that systemic issues don't go away. They have riddled our community with problems from the get-go. And now, generations later, when we think we're making strides, they're now affecting a group of people. 
and we're all sitting back and there is an anger and resentment that we thought had been with our parents and died with them, we now find that we have the anger and resentment as we watch our community members die because of systemic issues, systemic racist issues that have... Detroit is the money maker for Michigan. Yet we don't get any money for air pollution. We don't get any legislation passed to clean the damn air that we breathe. We don't get legislation passed. We don't get infrastructural development in the communities and the neighborhoods around Detroit. Yet we are the money maker for the state of Michigan. And we watch our community members die while people run around here and act like they're elite, while the people who run the city act like they're some big shots and some elite. There is an anger and a resentment that is there. Go take that pillow. I have... I'm going to take a picture maybe by my bed, I pray. So my knees are on a pillow because, you know, even though I work out, let's face it, you don't want to hurt your precious knees, right? So for some 20 odd years, I always have a cushion beneath my knees when I pray. You see, when I go down in that place, that's where I take all of these issues. I take all of these issues to that place. You've got to have a place where you unpack this stuff. So I have that place that I go to and I unpack it. I just let it all out. I say, Lord, here are my issues for the day. I have issues because, nah, da, da, help, deliver us, oh Lord, is my prayer. I'm like, deliver me. Maybe somebody on, on my Twitter feed, one of my followers, just asked me what keeps me warm at night, and he can't believe it. I said, Jesus, he thinks I'm joking. I unpack it all. All the people who left and abandoned me, I unpack it all. I can talk to them. Mm -hmm. And I'm happier than they could ever be because they didn't leave me. I am glad they're out of my life because they could not fit. Do you see what I'm saying? I tried, especially when I know I tried. No, you didn't fit. That's why you had to go. And I sleep like a baby. I unpack it. So you need to get the pillow and you need to hit that pillow for everything. The fear, the loneliness, you find yourself alone and you ask yourself why I could have made a better decision in that relationship. No, time out. Stop it. Stop it. There were two people in that relationship. If you did your part and they didn't do their part, then it's easy to see. And if you didn't do your part, accept it and move forward. Hug your pillow when you go to bed at night. Watch some Netflix and Hulu. It will change your life. <laughs> I promise you, it will change your life. It will get, unpack it. I'm telling you all, you want to join me? 10.30 p.m. at night. Who was up? 10.30 p.m. at night is when I hit the ground. I go down on my knees and I pray. No matter what I'm doing, if I'm watching something, I'm gone. I go to pray, then I come back. If it's that important. If I have something to do. But if not, I pray my prayers, I listen to some, some spiritual music, and I just go to sleep. And I ask God to watch over the, the world, watch over my friends, over my, you know, my, my children, watch over my businesses, watch over all of you. I hope you're all good people while I'm praying for you, by the way. Y'all ain't doing, they're doing stuff, crazy stuff, yeah? Okay? Unpack it all. So here's your solution. You're in a dark place, walk out. How you do that? You just simply 
walk out of it. Just tell yourself, I admit that there are some things I could have done better. Say it out loud. There are some things I could have done better. And I didn't make the best choices. But while I'm here, I choose to live. I forgive everyone. And I'm going to work hard at being a better person. And I'm going to start a prayer life. And I'm going to ask God to help me. We start there. Second, you're going to get a pillow you can hit. You punch the pillow. For everything you have done, you punch the pillow. Before you call anybody, you punch the pillow. Right? Some of us need medication to regulate our hormones. Take your meds. Hello. What did I say? Take your meds. Some of us need medication to regulate the hormones and the chemical imbalances in our brains. Take your meds. Spirituality does not obviate science. They work together. They're designed by the same creator to come together to make you a perfect human being. You need the science and you need your spirituality. Take your meds. At 10.30 p.m. at night, I pray, join me. Get down on your knees and start right there. It doesn't have to be grand. Don't use grand repetitions. You know, don't go saying all kinds of stuff. Just say, Lord, I'm just this person. My name is Harriet. He knows you already. But you just go there and say, Lord, I don't know how to deal with this, and I really need some help. And you will be surprised how he helps. You'll be surprised how the answers come to you. All the fear of not making enough money. All the fear of not having a job when it comes back to normal. All the fear of walking out and you're going to get, you know, some kind of virus. All the fear that the country won't be the same as when we wake up tomorrow. We're all paranoid, wondering, is it going to be the same or are they going to impose martial law? Are they going to do... All of that is in our psyche. Forget it. 10.30 p.m. at night, pray over it. When it comes to that, you just say, Lord, deliver us. Just say, Lord, deliver us. You are not alone. There is help available. You can call the National Suicide Prevention Line. They will point you to a therapist in your area who can help you. I'll post the numbers so that you can see it. Because if I tell you, you're not going to remember but those of you who will need grief counseling after this, for having had to bury loved ones, your uncle, your father, your father's brother, your friend from work, when you left work, you left work with everybody, and now we're going to go back to places of work and people are missing. We're going to go back to church and the space beside us is empty. We need therapy for that. Grief counseling is available. For those who have just feel like I lost something, Something irrevocably has changed about my country, my city, my state. Let's go pray about that. And finally, what about you? Have you prayed for yourself? Just ask God, help me. Just say, help me. When I sat in that dark closet, I just said, Lord, help me. I came out a better person, and I've been working on myself ever since. My name is Harriet Kimmick. This has been Down to Earth. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'll post the links later to the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. Make sure you continue to join us on this broadcast that is aired daily on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Spreaker, Blog Talk Radio, and wherever your favorite podcast platform is. I want to thank you so much for being my guest and being a part of my experience today. Thanks so much, everybody. Have a great and productive Thursday. And remember, get your pillow. That's your punching bag. Get your pillow. Thanks, everybody. Be blessed.
Thanks for joining this edition of Group Therapy. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Be blessed. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.